Hello friends, this is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I trust you and your family are doing well. We are talking about, we are on the subject of the blood covenant. And um, yesterday we were talking about uh, how Christ is our righteousness. In, in the old covenant, God had said to them, I'm Yahweh Sidkenu, I'm the Lord, your righteousness. But in the new covenant, Jesus Christ is our righteousness. So we will continue to talk about that and then we will finish that and go on to the next point. But the scripture I want to start with is, um, I was reading to you from Ephesians chapter 4, and I will kind of give you a recap of that, if, if, if that's okay with you. Because this is very important, where it says, you know, we are talking about walking in righteousness, how to walk in the righteousness that we have received from Jesus. That just because God does something in our lives, uh, doesn't mean that we take it for granted, but we have to make those things, uh, make take those steps so that we can walk in it. So uh, from verse 22 to 24 in Ephesians 4, it says, strip yourself of your former nature. That means we put off and discard the old unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lusts and desires that spring from delusion. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. You see, it all comes down to the mind because as your mind thinks, the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. It is, everything is in the mind because the mind is the pivot around which everything revolves here in this life. So uh, we have the new life from Jesus and we have this wonderful freedom in Christ. But if you don't, if your mind isn't renewed, you can never make, um, uh, how do you say, experience the benefits of what, Jesus has done for us upon the cross. So it's important. The Bible talks about the renewal of the mind. And so here it says, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your life, in the spirit of your mind. That means it's not a one-time thing, but we constant. It's a constant thing we have to work on. And I've been doing it for all these years, all these decades, always working on my mind, speaking the word, meditate on the word, um, um, so that our mind begins to uh, get into line with the Word of God. And that's the renewed mind. A renewed mind is a mind uh, that thinks in line with the Word of God under all circumstances. That's a renewed mind. So it's a constant process and we have to work on it every single day. Okay, so uh, through studying the Word and speaking the Word and meditating on the Word and letting the Word do its work in our soul, in our heart, in our mind. So that is how we get renewed. And then then once our mind has been renewed, then at the, same, at the same time, we can put on the new nature, the new nature of Christ created in God's image and we are God-like in true righteousness and holiness. So the new nature is the regenerate self and we have to put it on. You know, the Bible says that you, you clothe yourself in Christ and we have to uh, then, the, you know, clothing yourself in the new nature is actually taking a position in Christ. So as long as we talk the old religious talk, you know, I know I've been hammering at this again and again. We go on and saying, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, I'm just a worm. You know, as long as you talk like that, that's the old religious talk. But God wants us to put on the new nature, the new nature, which is in Christ, the the, the regenerate man, and we are created in the image of God, 
and we are godlike in true righteousness and holiness. So this means uh, several things. First of all, we begin to walk in the character of God. The new nature uh, walks in righteousness and the new nature walks in holiness. Okay. Uh, the new nature walks in righteousness and the new nature walks in holiness. The new nature doesn't work, uh, doesn't walk in a, you know, with the spirit of worldliness. It does not. I, I, I see these days a lot of Christians, if you look at their role models, who they like to dress like, who they want to look like, it's all secular people. Uh, all their role models are like Hollywood stars. They want to look like that. They want to act like that. They want to dress like that. Those are their role models and their examples because, because the spirit of the world is in the church. Worldliness has become such a part of the church. It's become such a part of the Christian life that people don't even realize how worldly they have, they have become. And uh, just for me to say this, some of you think I'm legalistic just because I say it, but I'm, I'm just standing for the scripture. The, Jesus said, you know, I mean, sorry, the apostle Paul said, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate. That's the Bible. That's nothing that I have made up. So we, to put on the new nature, we put on the holiness and the righteousness of God. We walk in separation from the world. And then at the same time, uh, the next step towards putting on the, uh, the regenerate mind, putting, clothing ourselves with Christ also means a new way of talking, a new way of thinking. So our actions, our words, our thoughts, everything uh, lines up with the word of God. And that's what it means, okay, to put on, to put on Christ, put on the new man in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, the next scripture I want to show you is Ephesians 6 verse 14. It says, stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist and truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And, uh, we, you know, we're going to, uh, we're talking about the armor of God. And, and one of the elements of the armor of God is the breastplate of righteousness. The breast, so we wear righteousness as a breastplate. The breastplate protects you up, up here. So we put on the righteousness of God. And yes, I'm a righteous man. I have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Jesus became, he who knew no sin, became sin for my sake so that I may become the righteousness of God in him. So we put on the righteousness of God. Then Philippians 1.11 says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So that we are filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Second Timothy 4, this is the last scripture in this uh, part, you know, we're talking about the righteousness. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Hallelujah. Now this is the Apostle Paul at the end of his life, at the end of his, his journey. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. And now I'm waiting for the crown of righteousness that the Lord will give to me. And so we receive the righteousness of God and we walk in it by faith. And as we walk in the righteousness of God by faith in this life, when we near the end, we have to look forward to the crown of righteousness that the Lord will give us on that day. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So we have talked about Jesus Christ being our righteousness and how we have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. And now we go to the next point, <coughs> next covenant blessing. And that is the Lord is our provider. The Lord is our provider. In the old covenant, God uh, pre presented himself, introduced himself as Yahweh Jireh. Yahweh Jireh, I am the Lord, your provider. I am the Lord, your provider. But in the new covenant, we also have wonderful promises of God's provision that we have. Amen. So let us uh, look at Luke chapter 12, verses 29 to 34. It says, and you, these are the words of Jesus, and you do not seek by meditating and reasoning to inquire into what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be of anxious, troubled mind, unsettled, excited, worried, and in suspense. So what the, what the Lord is telling his disciples in Luke chapter 12, verses 29 to 34, he says, listen, do not uh, be troubled. Do not seek and worry or reason about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. Do not be anxious or troubled or unsettled or worried or in suspense about these things. Because all the pagan world is greedily seeking these things and your father knows that you know them, that you need them. This is interesting because the pagan world in the heathen world they are worried. They constantly worry about what are they going to eat, what are they going to drink, will there be enough money, any resources to go around. And Jesus says that this is what the people in the heathen world are like. They're constantly worried and concerned about what's going to happen to me. What about my money? What about food? How will I survive? But, the, but he says, but your father knows that you need them. This is wonderful. Our father knows what we need. He knows exactly what we need. And we should always keep this in mind that the father knows what we need. <coughs> Sometimes even before we know it. <coughs> I'm sorry. The father knows exactly what we need. And then verse 31 says, only aim at and strive for and seek his kingdom and all these things shall be supplied to you also. This is the same as, as uh, Matthew 6.33 where it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be given to you. So what the Lord Jesus is saying that, listen, do not worry about food, about where, where are you going to live and, you know, about provision. Just like the heathens do. The heathens, the pagans worry about these things. But know that your father knows what you need. God is watching over you and he knows exactly what you need. God knows what you need. But he says, but what you should strive for, what you do aim for, because this is in the context of people worrying about food and thinking about what they need and all that, what, they have, what are they going to eat and drink. But he says, but let your concern and just strive for one thing, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then everything that you need shall be supplied to you. God will see to it that you get everything that you like. 
Then it says verse 32, do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means that don't don't be alarmed, don't don't be fearful, do not be struck with stricken with fear, little flock, because it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then it says, sell what you possess and give donations to the poor. So this is the key of receiving provision provision for God. God is saying, don't worry about these things. Just seek my kingdom and I will give you what you need. And then he says, this is how you do it. This is how this thing works. This is how God's provision works. It says, sell what you possess and give donations to the poor. Provide yourselves with purses and handbags that do not grow old and unfailing inexhaustible treasure in the heavens where no thief comes and no moth destroys for where your tre- treasure is, there will your heart be also. Praise God. So Jesus is saying that this is how it works. You sell what you possess and give to the poor. Live a life of giving. Give to the poor. And then he says that, then you, uh, then, uh, then he says you provide yourself with purses and handbags that do not grow old. And he's actually talking about heaven now that uh, you have wallets and purses that don't grow old because they're in heaven and where no thief comes near and no moth destroys for where your treasure is there will your heart be also now this is interesting because you see here's the thing the thing is that uh, they say that there's a saying you cannot take it with you we cannot take anything from this earth with us but when we give to the poor we give to the gospel that is the only way we can transfer earthly riches to heaven by giving it to God. Because um, you have money and you can use it to buy what you like. It's your money, but then you won't have any treasure up there. If you want treasure up there in heaven, then give to the poor, give to the work of the gospel. And as you give to the poor and give to the work of the gospel, what has happened that you will have treasure in heaven. And It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will be where you have your treasure. And if your treasure is in heaven, you'll keep your heart in heaven and vice versa. If your heart is in heaven, you'll also gather your treasure in heaven. Amen. So if you notice, uh, it's talking about giving to the poor, uh, give donations to the poor. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to bring this up, but there's some people who teach that that uh, you shouldn't give to the poor uh, because, you know, the Bible says uh, that he who gives to the Lord, the Lord, uh, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will repay him. So they say that, well, you see, the Lord will repay you. If you give a hundred dollars to the poor, the Lord will give you back a hundred dollars. And there's no, there's no promise of multiplication, but they said the multiplication comes when you give to these anointed preachers. And they're normally the big, rich, f- prosperity preachers. That's what they mean. That you give your money to the rich, prosperity preachers because they all they have this hundredfold uh, anointing. So when you give to them, you'll get a hundredfold return. If you give to the poor or you give to a missionary, there's no return on it. Now, let me tell you. That is nonsense. That is heresy. That's what I would call it. That not only is it unbiblical, that is from the pit of hell. You know, the Bible talks about the doctrines of devils. Well, this is one of them. 
because Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, give your money to the rich prosperity preachers. No, he says, give it to the poor. So you give, you know, where in the book of Acts, it says the people came and they laid their money at the apostles' feet. And then it says, doesn't say that the apostles spent it on themselves to buy themselves a nice car. It says, and the apostles took that money and distributed it to the poor, to the needs of the poor. So we always, listen, I believe in prosperity. I believe in divine provision. I believe God wants to bless us. But we must understand that the full picture uh, of uh, isn't that God wants to prosper us so we can just, you know, live fat cat lives and have a lot of money because you can't take it with you. What God wants us to do with money is use it to bless the poor and use and use it to give to the gospel because these are the two areas which are closest to the heart of God. The first thing, the thing that is closest to the heart of God is the cause of the gospel, that the gospel must go forth. Because you see, at the end of the day, no matter what happens in the world, uh, how successful people get or what happens there, there's only one thing that matters. And the thing that matters uh, is whether a person dies with or without Jesus. If a person dies without Jesus, doesn't matter how great his accomplishments were on this life, he's going to go to hell. But if a person dies with Jesus, in his heart, then we know that he's going to go to heaven. So man's eternal destiny, it, 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 is, it has to do with only one thing. Do people live and die with Jesus or without Jesus? So, and the only thing that can make the difference is the preaching of the gospel because people cannot be saved unless the gospel is preached. So we must preach the gospel and we must pray for and financially support those who preach the gospel. Those who are preaching gospels and planting churches and taking the word of God to the heathen, we must support them and pray for them. And the second thing is, if you read the scriptures, you will see what a heart God has for the poor, what a heart Jesus had for the poor, and we must support the poor. We must help the widows and the orphans and the fatherless. Listen, let me just be very brutal and plain with you. If you are giving your money to a rich preacher so he can buy a new aeroplane for yourself, then you're really, really, really deluded. I mean, you, uh, your, your, your mind is in the wrong place. You have to understand that is not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about seeing to it that the word of God is spread so that people get saved and people are made disciples so that they in their turn and go and win others, others, uh, for Jesus, because that is the whole purpose of the existing of the existence of the church, so that we preach the gospel to the to the lost, and secondly, that we help the poor. There are poor people all around us. It is important that we can put food on the table of tables of the widows, the orphans, and the fatherless, and the poor. God has called it. That is the whole purpose of prosperity. If you understand that, then you are taking the first step towards God blessing you. So anyway, so it says, sell what you possess and give donations to the poor. Provide yourself with purses and handbags that do not grow old. An unfailing and inexhaustible treasure in the heavens where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 
Hallelujah. Now let us look at Romans 8.32. We are talking about how God is our provider, how he takes care of us. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Hallelujah. So God is our provider. He is our provision. And he he who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all. That means that God loved us so much that he was willing to give us the very best he had. And the very best he had was Jesus, his son. If you were to ask God what it is that he loves the most, he would look at Jesus, he says, my son. Because even when, when Jesus was baptized, when he came out of the water and remember the Holy Ghost came upon Jesus and the father spoke. He said, what did he say? He says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So the father loves the son. And even Jesus says, the father loves the son and has shown him and shows him all things. So there's that wonderful intimate relationship between the father and the son, how the father loves the son. And that son who he loved more than anything else, Jesus well, uh, the father was willing to give us to save sinners. Can you imagine that? On one hand, we are sinners who have brought nothing but grief to God. And on the other hand, you have Jesus who has always been, always pleased the father. And the father's love for us, for sinners is so great. And honestly, my mind cannot understand it, how the father could love us so much so much so that he was willing to give up the son who he loved in order to save us. So that is how the father, how far the father was willing to go in order to save sinners. And so it says, he who did not withhold or spare even his, I'm sorry, even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also with him, freely and graciously give us all things. Hallelujah. So it's, what he's saying is that God loves us so much that he was willing to give us his only son, Jesus. Won't he then be willing to give us all things? So remember that God, you know, heavens are open to us. Everything we need, the father will give us. Let me just share a little testimony. You know, this is, uh, we are in the middle of August uh, 2020. And uh, just recently, uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was talking to my team um, leader, Pastor Mavondo in Zimbabwe. And I asked him how everything was. He said the situation in Zimbabwe is very bad. Zimbabwe has always had a very terrible economic situation for the past, you know, number of years, maybe 10, 15 years, it has gotten worse and worse. And now with the COVID-19 lockdowns, it is it has hit rock bottom. It is bad. People are have nothing to eat. And so uh, what happened was um, he told me, he said to me, he said, Pastor, uh, I had a dream. He, and he said, I dreamed about this other pastor. So he said, in the morning when I woke up and I called this brother, I said, how are you doing? I had a dream about you. And this brother said, he said, Pastor Mavondo, he began to cry. He said, Pastor Mavondo, I have no food in the house, nothing to feed my kids. I have not eaten anything with my family. We have not had anything to eat. So, so Pastor Mavondo told me about him. And I said to Pastor Mavondo, we must do something. We must do something to help these people. So, and then the Lord said to me, yeah, to... <coughs> 
feed pastors in Africa, feed pastors and their families in Africa because pastors are very hard hit. The churches are closed. People don't have money. Nobody's giving offerings anymore. And pastors live by the offerings of the people. They have no money. So I told Mavondo, I said, listen, how much would it cost to feed a pastor and a family of four for a month, for four weeks? And so we made a calculation, how much of maize flour and how much of beans and all that, cooking oil and all that. And we made a calculation of $65 per family for four weeks uh, for a family of four would buy basic staples, just the basic staples to keep them, to, to feed them for four weeks. So I said, okay, that means that we don't know how long this COVID-19 lockdown would last. So uh, for uh, $200, we can feed them for three months. So we ca calculated $200 a family. So for $20,000, I can feed a hundred pastors. So that's a lot of money and we needed the money now because people are hungry now. So I, uh, I prayed about it and I just went out and asked my friends. I sent an email, put it on Facebook. And do you know what? Money began to come in. One pastor called me, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to raise 40,000 for you. People get 10,000, I mean 5,000. So as I sit here right now, we have just sent $130,000 and we have fed more than 760 pastors and their families who are getting food uh, for three months from us. 760 pastors and their families of four. And not only that, then a Roman Catholic priest found out uh, that we were handing out food. So he, he contacted us. He says, look, I'm running a Catholic hospital in a rural part of Zimbabwe. And... Uh, and we have uh, we are a free hospital for the poor and we have no money nothing our patients have nothing to eat can you help us so we i have been able to provide two tons of maize flour and cooking oil and stuff like that so you know you see this is uh, this is the reason for prosperity so we can do this right this is why we can do that i'm not interested in a new car i have a hyundai car i'm happy with it it, this is not about cars. It is not about luxurious living. It's not about private planes or expensive watches, but this is about people because people are the ones who Jesus died for. And so he says that the father, he loved us so much. He loved sinners so much that he sent his only son to die for us. And then he says, if the father loves us so much that he sent Jesus for us, how much more won't he give him all things with him? Hallelujah. So the father gives us everything. If we just have a vision for people, if we have a vision to, uh, to reach people with the gospel and a, reason, and a vision to help the poor, believe me, the father will give us everything we need so that we can be channels of his provision to people. He says he will freely and graciously give us all things. We have all things. God is good to us. Praise God. He wants to give us all things, all things. And I believe that he wants to give us everything we need to fulfill his purposes here on this earth. Amen. So remember that God's provision is for us and the father loves us and he loves us so much that he gave us his son, Jesus. And if he was willing to give us Jesus, how much more won't he give us 
everything else that we could ever need to fulfill his purpose here on this earth. And the greatest thing we can do is in this life and this life is to be available to Jesus so that he can use our hands to serve others and to bless others. Amen. Well, God bless you. And as you seek God, I want all of you to ask God. Um, the, you know, this is a time of need. Everyone is talking about needs. But all of you who are hearing me, just put aside your own needs first. Because the Lord told me uh, when I started this thing with feeding pastors in Zimbabwe, the Lord says, I know you have needs too, but their needs are greater than yours because then your needs are such you can survive without them. But the things they need, if they need, their needs are not met, their children will starve to death. So the Lord said, if you will put their needs before your needs uh, and take care of their needs, then I will bless you. So I begin to do that. And we are so blessed. So I want you to understand this and make a determination in your heart and ask God, Father, who do you want me to bless? And ask God who he wants you to bless and do that and see how, will, how God will release miracles in your life. But let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. Meet every need that they have, Father, and use them mightily for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it, my brothers and sisters. I'll be seeing you again tomorrow. God bless you.